0: The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools, if it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan.
1: Hey, happy Monday, everybody. Happy Monday to you, RJ. Hi, Eric. How are you? You're looking dappering today. Dappering?
2: Yes. It, it what is dappering? It, it's fancy. It's uh,
1: it's it's modest as
2: hottest. Wow. Yes.
1: Okay. Interesting. You're welcome, Eric. Every day is an adventure. I don't know what's going to fly out of your mouth.
2: <laughs> Eric, there is nothing wrong with being dappering. Okay? Just remember that.
1: I don't know why you get so upset. Is dappering a form of being dapper? Making yourself look nice? Is that what that... I've never heard it in that quite of a, in a way, like I, that kind of phrase. I
2: don't know, Eric. It, being dappering is mean like fancy or nice or modest or something like that when you dress really nice. Okay. Yeah. I don't even have a tie on today. I know. But I feel like you tried harder today than you did the other week.
1: <laughs> Last, Especially the, the tail end of the week. It was, I'm just going to roll in there, whatever. It's not going to matter. It will not. And it didn't. It didn't. No nor should it. Did you have a good weekend?
2: Uh yeah, it was good. You know, watching the Aggies win by 50 was great. Uh but and uh some great football. So a lot of great football was on throughout the whole entire weekend. Um Even we in fo- the NFL? Uh, I hate you. I knew you were going to do this to me. Don't don't insult my intelligence.
1: There was a ex- really exciting Seahawks and Niners game? There was. Okay, yeah.
2: Yeah. I thought we were going to an earlier game. There's a few game other games that were
1: interesting, the way they finished?
2: Yes. Like the Patriots? Okay, so my the mom. Dolphins? My mom, God bless your soul. She, uh, her and my dad went and visited Lambeau Field during the summer, went to a Milwaukee Brewers game, and my mom became a huge Packers fan after that. You know, it, 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 sometimes I would go, you visit a place, and you're like, oh, I love this team. She got to be like inside the locker room and all. So now she's a diehard Packers fan. So there I am watching my Patriots suffer just in the midst of his blood loss and watching Bill Belichick's live press conference that lasted for six and a half minutes. And I get a text from Which is like an eternity for him. (laughs) And then my mom texts me, hey, how about those Packers? (laughs) Like, mom, not now. Okay? (laughs) Not now. And then I calls her today to to relay some information to her. And my dad, she she puts it on speaker for my dad. Hey, RJ, how about those Patriots? No, Dad, be quiet. You used to be a Patriots fan, too, back in the day. And then you changed your bandwagon. He's a biggest bandwagon fan. Now, he's a Packers fan all of a sudden, by the way. He, he's calling Packers and Chiefs, by the way, in the Super Bowl. That's what his prediction is. Packers and
1: Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Wow. Repeat of Super Bowl one. Really? Yeah. I mean, Packers didn't exactly put away the Lions, who are a terrible team. It, yeah. it, it took a fourth-quarter rally for Green Bay. Does it matter, though? To win that game. Does it
2: matter? Uh, Kind of. I mean, look, if you win, you win. Just ask me, because we went from being a two seed and having a first round bye for the ninth time this decade to now playing at home versus a team that just like wiped our faces into the turf earlier in the season. And now we have to play them again at our place with a defense that can't stop a wooden chair. Like that's that's who we're playing. And then if we win, guess what? We get to go to Kansas City and face Patrick Mahomes.
1: (laughs) Just thrilled. It worked out okay last year. Having to go through uh, through Kansas City. Yeah. uh, I'm not holding my breath this year, to be honest with you. So it it was a really intriguing final week. I mean, sometimes you get to the end of the season, there's some games that just don't matter, and nobody really cares. And it's... um, your playoff positioning is set or you're not even close to going to the playoffs. So some teams just like, yeah, whatever. We're not even going to put an effort out there, but then you've got some teams that are, they're still fighting, like give credit to Detroit for still getting in there and fighting. Even though they only won three games all year, they were still giving the Packers all they could handle. Uh, Same situation for Miami. They've had a terrible year, but they always seem to play new England tough and they did and they won. So, um, there were still some very intriguing matchups in the NFL. And, and perhaps one of the more interesting ones was that game between the Niners and the Seahawks. Uh, Controversy with how that game ended and how the clock was managed and the, the calls that were, <laughs> the plays that were
2: called. Oh, boy. I mean, Eric, wherever you want to start, man. I mean, first of all, Jimmy Garoppolo was great all game long, and he's not getting enough credit for, for his work. In the in, in this game. By the way, you can text us about those games and about any of our topics. Let me throw this out really quick: four three five three three nine zero three two one. Again, that's four three five three three nine zero three two one. Four three five three three nine zero three two one. Text us and uh, uh, share your thoughts with us on any topics that we're talking about, and we'll uh, we'll get them out on air. And of course, your uh, your name stays anonymous, and so we'll just uh, we well, won't know who you are, but uh, we'll definitely be able to uh, get your thoughts out there. Uh, Eric, I. Like I say, Garoppolo was really, really, really good in this game. Uh, I thought he was uh, calm. I thought he was confident. Uh, he made some tough throws look really easy. Uh, I was really impressed with his... Uh, there was a couple of big drives. I mean, you know, Seattle got back into it, uh, got the crowd back into it. But I thought Jimmy just handled himself on the ensuing drives. I mean, the one to take, I think it was a 19... 19- Seven lead, if I'm not mistaken, uh, was just, I mean, clutch. He I mean, he finishes the night 18, 18 to 22 for 285 yards, uh, no touchdowns, but no interceptions, and only sacked twice. That's really impressive. And Russell Wilton, not bad himself, 25 to 40 for two TDs, no picks as well. Off, both offenses showed up. The thing what bothers me the most, though, is when the coaches. Get in the way of the offense and the rhythm, and I thought Pete Carroll did it again, chasing points in the first half. When you just take them when they're there against a team like San Francisco, you take the points when they're there, and then you and then you just say, "Okay, well, let's let's adjust in the second half the way we need to score wise." But he chased early, and then he regrets it there and late in the game.
1: Yeah, they're, give Seattle credit for they. Things weren't working quite right in the first half. Uh, Maybe some gambles that didn't pay off. But you have to give them some credit for the adjustments they made in the second to still get back into the game. But San Francisco, it's been a magical season for them. They keep finding ways to win. Even though they've had a lot of uh, key components of that team go out because of injury, they're still finding ways to win. And uh, Garoppolo has been... uh, Probably the best way to describe him is a cool cucumber. I mean, the guy's been calm and collected and uh, has not really been phased. Uh, And he was in control of what was going on for San Francisco. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And by the way, how about the running game for Seattle? I thought Seattle's running game was actually pretty decent for the most part. Uh, Homer had 10 carries for 62, and Marshall Lynch had 12 for 34, and then that awesome touchdown when the crowd, I mean, you thought a, another earthquake was going to hit when that 12th man erupted after uh, Marshall, Lynch went, Marshall Lynch went up and over the goal line, uh, but again, I, I just weird play calling there in the second half by Pete Carroll. He, he's tend to do that a lot, to say the least, uh, but... I mean, again, Seattle, look, NFC is one of the is a tougher conference this year. There's no doubt. So it was imperative for San Francisco to get a win because, one, all the obvious part is that they would have been a five-seed, right, being in the wild card next week on the road. Now they're a one-seed, and they get Green Bay at home, assuming that that matchup would happen. Instead of having to go into the cold area of, of Wisconsin Green Bay and facing my mother's Packers, instead they got to go to San Francisco in a tough Levi Stadium and face them there, and I think that's where I think that's where the advantage is going to come. A home filled advantage for the Niners will absolutely matter throughout these playoffs.
1: So the playoffs schedule is now set. You've heard a lot of the guys uh, today here on Fox Sports Radio discussing it, but uh, number f- the Bills end up at number five, and they will go to t- the Texans, who are the number four team. Uh, that'll be on Saturday, two about two thirty our time, and uh, that'll be on. Well, uh, it could be on ESPN, ABC. Um, that, I guess depending on where you live, uh, and then also on Saturday it's the number six Titans, and they're going to be in New England. That'll be at six fifteen, and that'll be on CBS on Saturday. And then on Sunday you got the Vikings, who finished at the number three, excuse me, at the number six spot, and they travel to the New Orleans Saints. That could be a really interesting. Uh, game there. I've got the Vikings. We talked about this the other day. The Vikings are kind of my sleeper team to watch out for, though they're not particularly great against teams with uh, good records. Uh, Saints certainly have a great home field advantage. But that's going to be at uh, basically 11 o'clock on Fox on Sunday morning, and then uh, the afternoon game will be the Seahawks at the Eagles. Uh, that'll be about 2:40 uh, on ESPN. What game are you looking forward to the most? <sighs> um, boy, that is a good question. So I think those are all pretty interesting matchups, but the the games on Sunday I think stand out to me, me more than the games too. on Saturday.
2: Hey, freaking men! I think Seattle and Philadelphia is going to be a dandy. Yeah, that that game. Honestly, Seattle could go in there, eleven of five football team on the road for a wild card game. Eric, an eleven of five football team. I was on the road. At Philadelphia, Seattle could blast the Eagles. Don't think that that's a gimme for Philadelphia.
1: No, absolutely not. But at the, the same time, Philadelphia, the way they've played the last six weeks, they've played really good football. Yeah, we just don't they know. They came from total obscurity to winning their division and uh, you know being a pretty decent football team. Yep. Um, so that's a team that has some momentum on their side.
2: And I'm with you. I, and, and, and Eric, once again, I New Orleans – their
1: record is what? Do you know? I had it. Uh, New Orleans. Yes, I do have that. Their record. I had it. There it is.
2: Thirteen and three. Okay. Yes. The Saints are thirteen and three and are hosting a wild card game. Eric at thirteen and three. not <laughs> that incredible. And and not to mention, not only they're hosting a wild card, but they get like you said a very sneaky Vikings team. They're 10 and 6, but this Vikings team is better than the 10 and 6 record that you see.
1: Yeah, I, I felt like um I didn't get to see a lot of it, but the the Vikings and the and the Bears, I felt like the Minnesota they knew they were going to the playoffs. And I felt like they weren't really dialed in. Um obviously it it is kind of a rivalry game between the two two teams. Um uh, but you no know, Cousins didn't even play. So, I felt like that game. Even though they lost, I don't think we should read a whole lot into that. They're they're better than that. That could be a really interesting showdown between those two teams on Sunday, uh, Minnesota and New Orleans. Yeah, uh,
2: and then I then on Saturday, really, it's kind of a it's not really a blah week. I mean, but you get you get Buffalo uh, in in one of those, and then you get uh, New England. Right In Tennessee, which everyone kind of everyone wants to see the empire fall. Uh, to anybody I talk to, there are no Patriot fans in the world right now. Nobody. Not even in Boston, because they're all angry. They're angry at Bill Belichick for not you know, being more aggressive at the end of the first half with three timeouts. They're angry at Tom Brady for not being able to make a connection with Sunu on a five-yard crossing route. They're angry at the defense because they can't stop anybody. They're like J.C. Carroll playing defense. Uh, they're angry at, I mean, it's, they're, you know, everybody's angry at everybody. So I'm the lone Patriots fan in the world now. (laughs) The only one. And, uh, and, uh, I don't know. I, I worry, there's a ton of worries I have with this, uh, Tannehill, look, what, what Mike Vrabel, right, Vrabel, is doing with that Tennessee Titans team, making the switch from, you know what, Mariota, you're not getting the job done, I'm gonna go to Tannehill, who had done okay things at Miami, then explodes in Tennessee right now with Derrick Henry in the backfield. That team is really, really, really good. Don't be surprised to see Tennessee knock out New England. Don't be shocked. Buffalo and Houston's another tricky game. Buffalo's got a great defense. Houston's got a good offense with Deshaun Watson in there, DeAndre Hopkins. That's going to be a really fun matchup. I like Houston in this one, but I think it's going to be closer than what many people say. So, uh again, yeah. uh, uh 235 on Saturday for Buffalo Houston, uh 615 for Tennessee New England, and then Sunday of course it's the good one Minnesota New Orleans in the morning and then the afternoon Seattle and Philadelphia. Uh
1: meanwhile, those that are waiting to see who they face, uh, is the the Niners uh are waiting to see who uh who they play, could be the Vikings, Seahawks or the Eagles. Um you want the Vikings in that, by the way, because you don't want Seattle again.
2: No, and you don't want Philadelphia. Philadelphia scares the crap out
1: of me. If you're San Francisco, uh, in the uh, the Ravens, they're waiting to see if it's the Titans, the Bills, or the Texans. Uh, that could be on. Those games are going to be on Saturday. Can't okay, wait. Titans, Bills, and Texans. Really, dude. I would love. I would love to see
2: Houston and Baltimore duke it out. Deshaun Watson versus Lamar Jackson would be incredible.
1: Oh. I would be okay be with a great that matchup. Yeah, absolutely. Great shootout between two great dynamic quarterbacks. And then on Sunday, the Chiefs—they're waiting to see if it's the uh, could be the Bills, Texans, or Patriots. And then uh, the Packers would have the the late game on Sunday, waiting to see if it's the Seahawks, Eagles, or the Saints. So those are that's on the uh, January 11th and 12th in the uh, in the playoffs, and then the. Conference championship games, those are January 19th with the Super Bowl on February 2nd. So the question and by the way,
2: with all this NFL talk, there's also coaching carousel like happening like crazy. New York Giants coach gone. Brown's coach gone. Miami has just fired their former, uh, who is a excuse me, fired Chad O'Shea as the offensive coordinator. He's been let go. Josh McDaniels is the head lead candidate to go to Cleveland. Chad O'Shea could be going back to New England where he just was before he went to Miami as the offensive coordinator. Uh, There is rumor that everybody on the Dallas staff has been let go or will be let go. Um, I think Jason Garrett kind of alluded to that by taking photos and taking his family onto the field and spending time with them. Um, So there's a bunch of coaching carousel going on, all while the playoffs are going on. And while coaches are being called and uh, you know requested to do interviews with, um, so they could, you know, do get their I guess get their decision made soon.
1: Yeah, they're calling it Black Monday. I like it. The first Monday after the end of the season, a lot of coaching changes, guys getting let go. Um, the the thing that I would hope, and this is generally my beef with a lot of professional sports. It's not just in the NFL, but we see it a lot in the NBA. We even see it in Major League Baseball. A guy ends up not working out at a certain place. He gets let go. gets fired. And then almost immediately somewhere else picks him up. uh, Somebody has a a terrible track record. They weren't having success. And they find they get another job pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And so they they go and find an also-ran some guy that just wasn't working. Oh, well, maybe it'll work this time. Even though he doesn't have a track record of success. I just I don't get it. So is that Josh McDaniels you're talking
2: about then? I think that, uh, well. Because he's he he's he's in that category. Went to Denver, had one good season. Next year it was crap. And
1: things kind of just went south from there. Yeah. Well, I mean, Ron Rivera just got canned at Carolina. Yep and now Washington's going to pick him right up just like that. Yep. Guy's not even touched down from his airplane from leaving one place to the next. And not it's and that's not an indictment against Ron Rivera necessarily. I think he's he's shown he's has an ability to be a decent coach. But it just it, it really surprises me how often we see that in professional sports. Is the the um the, the pressure to bring somebody in that understands how to coach at that level so high that you can't take a risk on developing somebody new? Oh, that's a loaded
2: question. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Well, here's the thing. Do you remember, you remember like when Pete Carroll went to the NFL his first time and it turned really bad because he was in New England and things just didn't work out? Uh give me another one. Uh Bill Belichick in his his first time, I guess his first time as a head coach wasn't great. Nick Saban was a disaster in Miami. Uh but I think and so I think there's a learning curve and especially working look when these athletes are getting paid millions and millions of dollars and they act different than a college athlete would. Sure. And that's what Pete Carroll kind of brought up one time in, in an interview. He said look, I learned the difference between a professional and a college athlete, and it's all mentality and attitude. He said those are the two things that change because he goes, when you go to college, they're not getting paid. They just want time on the field. They only want to show off their skills and play as hard as they possibly can. In the NFL, look, they can take a playoff and still get their check at the end of the week. They don't care, especially at the end of the season if they suck. And I think that's kind of the case here. You need to find a coach that can motivate the guys in the right way. I mean, not. I mean, find the balance between being a player's coach and a a hard a coach. Is the really the way to put it? You got to find the balance between the two, and uh, and, it, and it's easier said than done. Obviously, do you know one guy I think who could fit that bill? Urban Meyer. I think Urban would be a great fit in Dallas. He won't go, and I don't think they'll offer him. But you'd be crazy not to ask.
1: Hmm. Interesting.
2: Here's another thing, by the way. With them firing the Cowboys staff, their offensive coordinator is who? Kellen Moore. Former Boise State guy. Crazy if Byron Harson wouldn't talk to him, right? Because they don't have an OC.
1: That's true. They lost their offensive coordinator. Bingo. So they're looking. So with this learning curve that you talk about, should, should we be giving a longer leash to first-year coaches? Yes,
2: yes. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Like, Freddie Kitchen's being given a, the, the boot after one year is amazing to me. In fact, I almost think if things really are that south after two years, then fire him. But I think you give him three. Like, you give them three years, and if
1: in three years you haven't seen improvement, gone. There's nuance to preparation, to understanding personnel, getting people in place that match what you want to do you granted he was in the system before but still being the head coach is different yeah. your responsibilities are different how you treat people should be different the decisions that you make and how it affects other things down the line are are all different so i agree i think giving a, a coach just one year is just does a real disservice to now, your, and, your ownership and, and, and the your theme. management and how people view your well, organization and, and the players too like
2: i mean look baker mayfield is a is, is a is a problem. I'm just going to put it out there. He has an attitude, he has an ego, and he thinks it's bigger and better than anybody else on that team, it feels like. And the way he acts to adversity tells me everything that's wrong with him. But again, it's on the Browns organization, their ownership included, for drafting him and knowing that. They knew he was a problem in Oklahoma. So why are you drafting him? What did he prove at Oklahoma that made you think, yeah, he's worth the high pick? I guess he wasn't that high, was he? No. No. He was lower around. But still, why? I mean, what, what I mean, what makes you think you should spend a pick on him?
1: Well, it, and it's always easier to get rid of a coach than it is to get rid of a, a player that uh, commands a lot of money and a lot of attention. Yeah. Because coaches rarely do endorsement deals. Nobody wants the coach to go do autograph sessions. So the players are always more marketable than the coaches. People don't come buy tickets to go see the coach on the sideline. Yeah. But do you think the full Dallas Cowboys staff is, uh, is all done?
2: Uh... Yeah, I do. I think they've been given just I mean, they've been given so much time and
1: I appreciate some of the things that were done in Dallas, uh, in the off season to try to shore up some good things and uh make this team uh, make their team better. But um I can't say that I'm overly surprised with how things turned out with um uh, you know Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator. Not necessarily a knock against him, but he wasn't really much into coaching before he got elevated as a OC. He was just barely removed from being a backup quarterback. So it was a risky move calling was, naming him as yeah. your OC.
2: But <laughs> Do you remember that story I told you that between him and another individual? Oh yes. Yeah. I, that that story still stands out to me and it just it makes me even more sure that Maybe it wasn't. He was
1: swimming in the deep end yep. with, <laughs> with sharks. weights on his ankles.
2: <laughs> hey, uh, let me ask you this: um, What do you think? Because there was a tweet I was just reading uh, in regards of all uh, oh, quarterbacks, right? Because you're going to see a quarterback change here, and and I hate to say this, my heart's going to drop to my stomach again. But that could have been Tom Brady's final game at Gillette Stadium, and it probably is. He's a free agent next year.
1: That's right, because in the playoffs, they'll be on the road for both. The, Every
2: single game. For all the games. Is that his final game as a Patriot? Does he go play elsewhere? By the way, Andy Dalton, Phillip Rivers, Jameis Winston are all probably going to be looking for jobs as well. Does does anybody go to Cleveland and Eli, and, Eli Manning
1: Eli, may be done.
2: Yeah, and he might retire. Does Philip Rivers retire? Does he stick around another year? Does Tom Brady still play? And Dalton still wants to play. Jameis Winston still wants to play. But is there a good fit out there for them?
1: Where would Tom go? He's not going to the Chargers. Dolphins? Please don't. Don't do
2: it, Tom. <laughs> we would we all deserve better than this. Uh, you know, I, I, where could he go? Like, where could they get? Like, where, where could he go? That for, hey, we, yeah, will take you for one year. You know,
1: we, they'd have to have structure in place. Yeah, they'd have to have a solid head coach, solid management, where he could walk in because he's not just going to walk away for the Patriots just for the heck of it. He'll walk walk into a place that's equipped for him to win. Yeah, to go get him. He a doesn't want to tarnish his legacy. Yeah, he doesn't want to go to some garbage. Team. Nah, He doesn't want
2: to be at Brett Favre, right? Brett Favre kind of did that with the Jets.
1: Well, he did it in Minnesota.
2: Yeah, he won in Minnesota. At least he didn't win with the Jets.
1: No. Uh, man, we're. I don't he know. He was just making moves because he just still wanted to play football. And, he uh, just wanted to play.
2: Yeah. And maybe, and maybe Tom, if Chad O'Shea, the former OC at Miami, goes to New England and becomes the OC there. Maybe he sticks around. I know him and Chad got along pretty well. Maybe he sticks around. I'd like to see him. I-, I think he should stay in New England for as long as possible and then quit. I think it's like we're getting to the point. Play- I mean, watching him play yesterday was like watching Peyton Manning in his final year, whole second to final year. When he was just, I mean, I mean overthrowing and underthrowing and not even close to target. Uh, he admitted he took a lot of the blame, and he should. He played like crap yesterday. Sanu goes on an eight yard crossing route on third and six, and you throw like over him by five yards. And then Edelman on a similar route is two yards ahead of his guy, and you throw up behind him. And then the pick six was like just horrible. So, at some point, you got to say, I don't have it anymore. I love the game. I get it. You love the game. But the great ones learn when to say, you know what? Enough's enough. I'm there. What
1: about like Indianapolis? Go to break. What if we went to the Colts? No, shut up and go to break right now. Indoor don't, arena. No, stop have to be it. out in the cold.
2: Don't, Eric. Don't. They they've got a good offensive you know line. They've spent a lot right of money now. to have a no, good offensive line. You know I'm not. Don't go to they, break. They like I former swear. New England quarterbacks. <laughs> this is worse than my mom and dad <laughs> talking to me about. Don't even do that.
0: I will cry. I will cry. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com.
1: Eric Franson, Ajay Salvison. Hope you had a great weekend, everybody. Do you have big plans for the New Year's, Ajay? Like New Year's Eve? Yeah, Are you mean, big New Year's Eve kind of guy, or is it just like, eh? You
2: know, I've never been in New Year's Eve. Like, um, What is the point of sitting up at midnight just for the New Year to roll around? Happy New Year! All right, well, let's go to bed.
1: <laughs> it's another late night, and it's another day. And I mean, we got work the next day, man. No, wait, we don't. No, do we? we don't. We don't? No. Okay. So if you want to come in, that's up to you. But I can come in and do a show. No one else will be here. Just, you know, things will be going on uh, autopilot for a while. But, uh, but I can come in and do a show live. Alone for two hours.
2: I've done it before. <laughs> no, I'm going to stay home and watch bowl games. And I'm going to eat lots of pizza. Because, Eric, I am going to be dieting after. Hardcore. You're going to be seeing me sweat. So you big New Year's resolution guy then? No. I'm just going to try. <laughs> <laughs> like I do every year. <laughs> uh no, no no big New Year's Eve plans for me. Uh though we do have Utah, we do have Texas and we have the uh, the Alamo Bowl. Mm, yes. Which I'm excited about. Uh So yeah, good bowl games on. Kind of in fact, uh let's see Orange Bowl and, and Rose Bowl. That's on New Year's Day, is that right, Eric? I believe New Year's Day. Pulling up
1: the schedule right now.
2: I I always get confused on when what day those bowl games are.
1: So on New Year's Day, you've got the Outback Bowl. Okay. Minnesota and Auburn. Yucky. You got the Citrus Bowl, Michigan and Alabama. That's gonna be a dandy. That could be fun. The Rose Bowl. Oregon, Wisconsin. I'm Oregon, not really excited Wisconsin. about that one. I think that could be really, really interesting, in fact. Really? I'm actually looking forward to that. Two top ten teams. Mm-hmm. That could be interesting followed by another game featuring two top 10 teams, the Sugar Bowl, Georgia and Baylor. That one I'm actually kind of looking forward to. So that that's your that's your New Year's Day lineup.
2: Uh, currently, right now, in the Music City Bowl, Louisville over Mississippi State, 24-14 in the fourth quarter, just starting the fourth quarter. Uh, Illinois, trailing California, Golden Bears in the Red Box Bowl, 28-13, two and a half remaining in the third. And uh, in the, let's see, yeah, there was a game it, that foot final earlier today. Western Kentucky, is that right? Yep. In the first responder bowl to P5 playoff caliber teams, Western Kentucky, 23-20 winners over Western Michigan. Tonight, though, is going to be a good one. Tonight, I'm excited about Florida and Virginia. That's going to be a good one.
1: The line for Florida has moved up. What? It's now up to 15 and a half.
2: Dude, don't know. Uh, what? So, uh, how do you say it? Uh, don't take the points. Um, Over-under is
1: 55 and a half.
2: Well, no, like the Florida line. Uh don't choose the line. Um what is that, Eric? Help take me. Take the under? Yeah, take the under. Or on the line for Florida. Don't don't do it cuz that's going to be a closer game than people think. I'm a betting expert. I would know these things. <laughs> uh hey, Eric, did you uh we had the college football playoffs, right? The Final 4. Um one was one game turned out to be spectacular the other was a <laughs> was a blowout snoozer yeah absolutely uh really impressed extremely impressed with what l uh not lsu yeah what lsu did in their semifinal game to oklahoma the way they just massacred them the way they just owned them like what we've seen and what we saw in week five versus Utah State is the same exact LSU team we saw in the semifinal. And that's what impressed me so much, Eric. Nothing changes with LSU. I thought Joe Burrow was just phenomenal. I mean, some of the throws he made to, to uh, Chase and to Jefferson were just legit good throws. Um, and we're NFL caliber throws to be I mean to, to put it nicely. Twenty-nine of thirty-nine for four hundred and ninety-three yards and seven touchdowns. And by the way, the seven touchdowns came in one freaking half. Of All football. in the first
1: half. It was incredible. He was putting on a clinic. Good
2: gosh. Play some defense. And Oklahoma on the other side. Look, Jalen Hurts, it's kind of a sad way to end your career at Oklahoma. But they got a taste of like, hey, oh, you want to be a part of the playoff? Come be part of the playoff with the big boys. That's exactly. So, and you know what? It makes me, I, I shouldn't say this because I really want Utah to succeed, but it makes me that much more grateful that Utah wasn't in there because I don't know what else you would have done to Utah. <laughs> <laughs> with uh, all due respect to the Utes and the well, Cunningham, area, Oklahoma
1: Oklahoma's not known for a great defense. Utah is. So, it... It, I don't think it would have been a blowout to that caliber. I think the LSU still would have won, but uh, I think Utah would have made it more interesting. But I Oklahoma deserved to be there. They should have been the number 4 team. Yeah, no doubt. But uh, the, the game that was really interesting and controversial, Clemson and Ohio State.
2: Oh, boy. Uh, Yeah, this was a barn burner. I mean, this one. And and look, let's be honest. The refs did not cost you this game. You getting inside the red zone and kicking three field goals is what cost you this football game. Don't blame the refs. Blame yourself for not getting the job done. Inside the red zone when you had time and time and time again to, to score touchdowns. I mean, you're within the you're within the ten, and you just I mean they just they couldn't finish the job, and uh, that's what just mind boggles me. The I mean, an offense as a high potent as Ohio State uh, can't get the job done.
1: Well, the the we've talked a lot about this. How Clemson has quietly gone about their business and. They haven't got a lot of attention because they haven't really played a lot of tough teams. They didn't really have any premier matchups that they had won. They had one game that was really close that they were able to sneak by. And so not a lot of people were giving Clemson a lot of attention. And, boy, they've they've changed that dialogue within the last couple of days. In fact, Dabo Sweeney finally said, now you all can talk about how we finally beat somebody. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, go. So, I mean, Ohio State's up thirteen, nothing, right? And this thing is looking like a bullet. Doors open. Call it a night. Um, they had that running back. What did Dobbins or yeah, something like Dobbins who had a. I mean, was just having a heck of a first He's half. He's had a field day. Yeah, and and Justin Fields, I thought was doing really, really well. And then, I mean, of course, the second half comes along and, and it gets late. And um, two plays that stood out. Of course, there was the fumble that actually was a fumble. He made progression with the football, was wrapped up, lost the ball, and it was returned for a touchdown. Uh, it's ruled an incomplete pass. Now, Ohio State does get the ball back, but then Clemson scores a touchdown immediately. Um, and I think it was on a pick six, too, if I'm not mistaken. might have been on a pick six. I'll have to look that up again. Um, so, and then I, uh, there, there was one more, and I, was it, it was the pass interference call. Uh, that they, well, there was
1: a targeting that was yeah. controversial Well, no, because no, no, Lawrence, it looked like it was a safe tackle. And then we've talked about this before. The problem with targeting is when the offensive player crouches yeah. into a position where the defender is trying to make a safe tackle. And then the offensive player comes into that zone. And so it's not an intentional thing, but the helmets did connect. Trevor Lawrence was dipping his head. He was crouching. And so the helmets did connect the review proved it. And, um, that really was, was huge. That, that kind of turned the tide for, for Clemson to seal the deal and to seal the momentum that they had. And they were able to get the yards. Uh, Lawrence had to come out for a a possession, but then he came right back and they were able to march down and get a touchdown.
2: Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. And then there was the, uh, the roughing the punter call, which was actually kind of questionable, to be honest with you. And then, of course, you had the stripped, and then you have the uh, strip fumble, which was supposed to be a touchdown, and then the, uh, the pass interference call, which didn't go their way as well. I mean, there's just, there, there's so many things. And speaking of pass interference call, how about the one in LSU game versus Oklahoma in the first half, where the Oklahoma guy's getting mobbed, and they don't even review it. Or I guess, no, sorry, they did review it, I think. And they still said there was nothing. Like, I don't know how, like, what's pass interference anymore? What's a catch these days? And what's a pass interference these days? Well, if it's not called, you can't review it and then call it. And then what's a targeting, really? Because like you said, if Trevor Lawrence ducks his head, right, in the angle where the player is trying to avoid the head and is, is trying to go for the body, but then the player ducks himself and you still make contact with him, what are you supposed to do? I mean, it's just so many calls that went against Ohio State, but, guys, wait. but again, I cannot emphasize enough. It's not what cost in the game. It's the first half red zone trips. Three of them mm, was turned yes. into field goals, which in the game a sixteen to three or sixteen nothing lead when it should have been twenty four nothing. This game is over.
1: Yeah, no, no, I totally agree. Ohio State they had let the their doors opportunities. Open, man, had their opportunities. They let Clemson hang around and uh, give Davos Sweeney and that that program a lot of credit. They've been in a lot of these games. We didn't give them near enough credit coming into this game because of, look at their track record. Look how many times they've been in the college football playoff. Yeah. And look how many times they've won now. Yep. So they absolutely deserve credit for what they were able to do and make the changes in the second half to get the win.
2: Yeah. Uh, do, do you like this semifinal Clemson-LSU? Are you excited about it? Or are you like, well. The final?
1: Yeah. I like it. I would have liked, I think there would have been more intrigue with Ohio State. Me too because it's where Joe Burrow was before he transferred, and then there's two really good teams. And, um, but I think it's going to fo- have a lot of people go back and pay attention to Clemson and what they did this last year. I think a lot of people wanted to write them off, but um, I-, I think that w- the way they performed against a very good Ohio State team, it could be an interesting showdown. Sure. I think Ohio State would have been more interesting, but nonetheless. I think they'll still be good. Uh, Double Sweeney's got a great track record in these games. Uh, his team understands what it's like to be on this stage. Uh, they're no strangers to it at all, so that, that'll be a fun championship, I think. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, some more things to discuss. A little bit later on in the show, we want to get into some Utah State stuff. Uh, an iconic Aggie has passed away. We'll talk about that. Uh, the uh, Utah State basketball game over the weekend, how that went. Big-time blowout for USU. Now they turn their attention to the Mountain West. Updated net rankings, updated Mountain West standings. We'll get into all of that as as well as uh, what's going on with the Utah Jazz. So still a lot to go through on a Monday edition of the Full Court Press here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan.
0: The Aggies, Jazz, high schools, even the Pee Wee's t-ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, The Fan.
1: Eric Franson with you on the full court press Sarah on a Monday and, uh, Andre had to take off by the way. Just want to pass this along. Just went final on one of our sister stations on 100.9 FM green Canyon taking down Hunter 67 to 57. That was a close game early. Quite a shootout in the first half. Hunter went on a 7-0 run at one point to uh, take the lead. And then uh, green Canyon hit the, a three-point shot at the buzzer to go into overtime, and uh, still Green Canyon was able to kind of settle some things down and get the win, 67-57. to 57. Ridgeline had a couple of games earlier today. They're at a tournament down in Juan Diego. They won both of their games, uh, beating Granger in the afternoon, won 76-62, and I know they won their earlier game by just trying to find what that score was, but I know they won, So, uh, anyway, two two wins for Ridgeline, a win for Green Canyon. Uh, Bear River is also going to be in action. They're also at that uh, tournament at Juan Diego High School, and they are on the uh, later game tonight. And that game can be heard on 104.9 FM. Now, uh, we've got all these games, the, the schedules, and some of them are, some of the schedules have changed a little bit since we've put this up and we posted it. But you can stream and listen to the games and at least see what we have pretty much know about what the schedule is uh but that's at um on cashvalleydaily.com and you can go to the uh the uh menu to find out where the link is for sports and then find the where it says uh local high school sports uh, um, local high school basketball schedules and you'll see the schedules there all in one, sh- on one sheet, one image. You can see the, every school and what their games are going to be and then what radio stations those games are on and also uh, streaming links to listen live to those games as well. So anyways, a couple of nice wins so far today for these high school basketball teams. And there's still one more game to go this evening for Bear River as they take on Juan Diego and that's where who is hosting this tournament? A lot of different teams playing down there, and uh, still has more games to be played uh, tomorrow for some of these uh, teams that are involved. So, uh, anyway, just wanted to pass that along. Some good wins for those uh, for those teams. Uh, we were talking about college football uh, playoffs. The 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 championship is now set for college football. It's going to be LSU and Clemson, and uh, that game is going to be a little bit later on. At The end of the bowl season. It'll be on January thirteenth, and uh, that'll be on ESPN. And uh, already LSU has opened up as a five and a half point favorite in, in this one. Uh, so I think I think I would take LSU uh, to 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 cover. Uh, I think they would beat that spread. The over under on that is seventy, so they're expecting a lot of points to be scored. I think that's mostly because of what LSU. Can do uh, Coming up next here on the Full Court Press, what other bowl games are going on tomorrow. We gave you the rundown for what's happening today. And we also talked about New Year's Day, but we didn't talk about tomorrow. And Utah Utes are involved in that. And an interesting announcement about the honorary captains was just made on that. So we'll go update you on that. And next hour, we'll get into the Utah Jazz, Utah State basketball news, and what's going on in the net rankings with Mountain West schools and the current standings in the Mountain West. All that's coming up here on the Full Court Press.
0: The new home for the Full Court Press. Weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan.
1: Last couple of minutes with you this hour before we get ready for another hour, which will dive deeper into Utah State Athletics. Uh, passing of an Aggie great, Liddell Anderson, passed away. He did great things as a coach and as an athletic director. We'll get into that, his legacy. Uh, Utah State basketball, the big win over Eastern Oregon. And the net rankings, and updated on that, and the latest polls that are out. But uh, wrap up some final thoughts about college football. Tomorrow, if you've got the time, you've got the day off, you've got the time off, College football starts early, starts at ten AM on ESPN with the Bank of America uh, no, it's in the Bank of America Stadium there in Charlotte, North Carolina. It's the Belk Bowl, that's Kentucky versus Virginia Tech. And that should be could be evenly matched game. Don't know that's gonna be one that I'm gonna be paying attention to. At noon on CBS, it's the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl, Arizona State versus Florida State on CBS. That's gonna be in El Paso. At uh, 1.45 on ESPN, it's number 23 Navy against Kansas State in the Liberty Bowl. And then Mountain West schools involved. It's Wyoming and Georgia State in the uh, Arizona Bowl. That's on CBS Sports Network. I think we're all going to be cheering for the Cowboys in that one. Want to see the Mountain West have a good record in bowl games. And uh, at 5.30, the last game of the Bulls that are going to be played tomorrow on New Year's Eve, number 11 Utah and Texas in the Alamo Bowl. Certainly it's closer to home for the Longhorns, so there could be a definite uh, home field advantage there for them. But uh, Utah is favored in this one by seven, and uh, we'll see how this Utah team responds after a disappointing performance in the Pac-12 championship game. Texas also looking for some, uh, a premier win for them and an opportunity to build on to uh, for next season and to, re- to uh, put a bow on what they did this year. Uh, But uh, that could be a really interesting team. And with that game, there have been some honorary captains announced for both teams. And there's some names you're going to be recognizing. The 2005 Fiesta Bowl MVP, Alex Smith. He's going to be the honorary captain for the Utes. And for the Texans, it's the 2006 Alamo Bowl MVP, Colt McCoy. And uh so there's certainly some connection there with the Texans and the Alamo Bowl uh with him serving as the honorary captain. So uh, some interesting names that have done some great things for their teams back in the day when they were college players hoping to uh get a little excitement for their games going on on uh, New Year's Eve. Uh so tomorrow we'll update you on those we'll also look ahead to uh what's happening out this weekend as as uh, some two big conference games for USU basketball, and I'll look back at uh, we already look back on the year that was, but tomorrow we'll also look back at the decade that was. In uh, certainly in the lens of some of the things that have happened here locally with some of the sports in our area and some of the bigger sports stories of the past decade, and uh, with uh, uh, could be interesting with the rise of Utah State football and everything else. So stay tuned for that tomorrow. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. If an expert was really smart, they would have picked two of the four professional champions this year. Sure, the Patriots won the Super Bowl. But after that, you have the Blues in the NHL, the Raptors in the NBA, and the Nationals in baseball. It's been one of the more surprising sports years of all time. But there's a bit of a double-edged sword for these leagues. While you want new blood, viewers also want to see the teams they grew up with, the teams they know. They want to see the stars. It's the old dynasty versus parody argument. When the Yankees used to win the World Series every year back in the day, it was exciting. But a lot of fan bases must have felt defeated. Nowadays, you get the feeling anyone can win. You can credit free agency and players moving around so much. We'll see if the trend continues in 2020. If so, good luck guessing who's next because very few people saw these well-deserved champions coming. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.